If you can imagine a long, beautiful, land and stone church building that has 40 foot high ceilings and a big open sanctuary and the front altar wall has black Italian marble with this gold thread, this gold line running through them in this marbled fashion. And then all of the columns that are all throughout that expansive space have those same marble panels all the way around each of the four sides. Now it's pretty amazing how big those panels each are, but what's even more amazing than that is that if you look from one panel to the next, the lines follow through onto the next panel. So that where that um, stone had been once mined, they were taken out so carefully in these large, large, sheets cut in large sheets and then as they were installed attention was given so that what had been right up next to it at one point could also continue in this new space now if you've ever built something or created something Chances are you will have that level of attention and detail to even notice that kind of thing. For most people, you just walk into a space and you look around and you maybe see or are focused on the thing or the person that you're looking for. And you don't see the beauty behind everything around you. You don't have any awareness of the level of work it took for that place to be created. Capitol Drive Lutheran Church was the place where those marble panels were first installed and it was done so at a time post-World War II where the families and the community around that building just exploded as men and women too returned home, returned back to, to some sort of normalcy after um, so many hard, hard years of sacrifice and worry about loved ones and um, worry for the world too, worry for um, people and um, the awful things that they were facing. And there was such excitement and such hopefulness. And there was such a sense of belief and theology that no matter what happens in our world, no matter what kind of evil we have to face, God is always a God of goodness and life. And God is a God to be thanked and praised. And at the time, to be able to build something that had such beauty and awe and magnificent and, and something that was so unlike the homes that were built around it, probably three bedrooms, very small um, city lots, just enough for one's family. 
and to go to a, a worship service on a weekend and see the magnificence of this space. It was a statement about God. God is always bigger than we can even imagine. God is always greater and and um, and, and filled with life when sometimes it doesn't feel as if our world is. And that's good news to hold on to. But as with everything, nothing in this life lasts forever. And so Capitol Drive closed its worshiping doors. Uh, and that has been really hard for me. It's been really hard because uh, I don't know exactly what will happen to that space. It was a space that I uh, gathered in in worship as I was a seminarian there, got to have, be married. Um, in that space and surrounded by the community there, for sure it is a place near and dear to my heart. And even though none of us believe that God um, is, is confined to buildings or physical spaces, it's also sometimes those physical spaces that um, are filled with so many meaningful memories and and that can be hard when those physical spaces change and come to new things. This gets us to today's gospel, where we hear about how Jesus is now approaching the end. He is in Jerusalem and is here at the temple. The temple was the very center of Jerusalem. And it's not the first temple that was built. It's actually the second temple. The first had been built um, in the time of um, the three great kings of the Old Testament, Saul, David, Solomon, finally completed um, while Solomon was king. But then the people of Israel had their differences and disagreements and eventually split into two separate kingdoms. But there was always this longing to, to return back to those glory days of when they were one together, where they had one king who acted on behalf of, of the people to their God. And the temple was the center of where God's presence dwelled with them. It was the people's way of feeling close and connected to this God who was still so far beyond their mind's comprehension. And it was a place that was holy and sacred, this place um, to offer sacrifices, to offer prayers. And then eventually, as one group after another came in and took power over the land and over the people as a whole, the temple was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587, I think. And I can't even imagine what that must have been like. I can't even imagine the pain that people there must have felt. And not only that, they were forced out of Jerusalem, away from their home. And only years later, when the Persians took over, did King Cyrus of Persia allow them to return back to Jerusalem to begin rebuilding that sacred temple once again. 
right? You know that it didn't happen overnight. And even more so at that time in history, without the modern day convenience of construction machinery, think about how they moved such incredible large pieces of stone and rock of how they created this enormous structure with a foundation strong and deep and walls all the way around like nothing had ever been built before it's pretty amazing to even think about now, of course, at the time, they also had some help eventually along the way when the Romans came into power and King Herod decided to also help by providing the best artisans of the land, the best materials um, to have gold and silver woven throughout, to have the finest of everything that they had available. And it also was a way to protect Jerusalem, a way to protect the city. It was also a showpiece. And yet, the purpose for which it existed in the hearts of the Jewish people was always this place of prayer, this place where God's presence, God's holy presence dwelled. Then here, Jesus comes into the world and he comes into Jerusalem and we hear about how God's visitation to the people at that time was through him, was through Jesus in the flesh. God isn't confined to buildings of magnificence. God also appears within the heart and within the teaching and the life of Jesus. And as Jesus is trying to make that known to people, he comes into the temple and then just happens to matter-of-factly say, look, look at all of these stones and all of the beauty of this temple that you so admire. It's not going to be here one day. And in fact, even though it took some 80 years to complete this temple, it will be destroyed in three days. Common symbolism to how long Jesus was dead before coming to new life again. But what's so interesting there is that the people don't even seem to be like stuck on those words. I would have melted down sobbing at the very thought of it being destroyed. But they saw him for who he was. They saw that he was from God and was God. And so their question isn't one of grief and despair, but it's a question of when. Tell us, Jesus, when will these things take place? And then Jesus goes into this doomsday narrative of all these things that are to come and to happen that they should prepare for, of these signs in the sky of wars and famines and earthquakes. And I don't know about you, but I would have been running for the hills at that point or running for my, my house to bury myself, to close myself off, not able to face the things that Jesus has just described, will and could happen. And yet, 
What does Jesus say after all of that? Do not be terrified. Jesus, what? How do you expect us not to be terrified after all that you have just said is going to happen? And then he goes on to say that there will be an opportunity for us to testify. Assuming we are even out from our room, assuming we haven't gone into the countryside far, far away from any civilization, any fear, any destruction, there will be an opportunity for us to testify. There are so many things that happen to us in this life, each at various times in our lives, based on the situations and circumstances that we have, that aren't easy. It's not easy for any of us to follow Jesus. And yet, Jesus doesn't promise that doing so is ever gonna be easy. But Jesus promises us that we won't do it by ourselves. That Jesus' spirit will be within us and will be what will give us strength when we don't think that we have what it takes to face what is to come, to face what we are already in the midst of that Jesus' grace will be what carries us through. And that Jesus' purpose in his life and in his teaching and in his very act of salvation will be what ultimately has the final word, a word that's always goodness and life, not one of evil, not one of destruction. But here's where Jesus also warns us, is that we have to hold on to that, that truth and that reality, and that we cannot be led astray by false prophets, by anyone who tries to make us not believe these words of Jesus, by anyone who tries to distract us from their truths, by anyone who tries to point us to themselves instead of helping to point the way to Jesus. And the thing about that is that they are all around us. They're all around us and it can be so hard to recognize them when we see them because oftentimes they say all the right things. They even use Jesus's name sometimes. They are the smooth talkers where it sounds sort of on course that we don't even realize how they've really led us away. Sometimes they're the people that don't have any concept of what it has taken to create something, what it involves to build something, to build community, to do good for the work of God. Sometimes it's the kind of people that have no awareness of what it means to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And so it comes out in this sort of boastful way where they try to make others think that it was really all what they did and how they did it, that something has happened. When you think about it, 
the most humble of people in our world, never do any of that. They might be proud in what it was that they belonged to or belong to currently, maybe like our veterans. It might be this awareness of how even in the face of all the things of this life, our purpose is always to be people who work for good, for goodness to prevail over evil. And to recognize that that is hard work for all of us. But because it's so important, it is worth working for. And just like Jesus promises, when we need to, we will have the strength that we need. And we will have the words and the wisdom to be able to know that as well. So long as we remember so long as we stay close to Jesus, so long as we keep on reminding ourselves of what that purpose is within us and our lives, to be people who seek good, who seek it for others, to make it so for them, to not be people who choose evil, who choose our own ways, our own needs over that of others. Throughout this gospel, I always used to think that Jesus was maybe saying something about how bad it was to have things that were beautiful and magnificent, to have beautiful cathedrals, to have beautiful places of worship. But when you look at the passage, so much is spent about all that is to come, about this good news that we hear at the very end. And I think what Jesus is cautioning us on is to not lose sight of the purpose for any space, to not lose sight of the reason why it exists, for each of us to not lose sight of what it is that we have been called to. So that when we hear Jesus inviting us, we are able to respond <laughs> Here I am, and to trust this good news <laughs> at the very end of this passage, that not even a hair on our heads will perish in the end. And that because Jesus' endurance is always present within us, that will be what gives us endurance as well. May it be so. Amen.